Amen. Thank you, Ms. Ruth and Heidi. Appreciate that so very much. Good challenge. Good prayer. Amen. For you and I to repeat. John chapter number 6. If you'll join me there. John chapter number 6 as we get in this morning's message. Simply entitled, Never Left Alone. Never Left Alone. John chapter 6. If you need a copy of the scriptures, I sure would invite you to grab a copy from the back of the pew and that you would uh, join us, if you will, as we delve into the scriptures. John chapter 6. Sure, there's many of you like me who, as we scan through the scriptures, as we read the Bible, and as you come across different stories, different experiences of the saints of old, uh, you, like me, probably are moved to um, be a little jealous. You, you see what they experience. You, you, you read of what they saw, and you're like, wow, man, I, I wish I was there. I, I wish I could experience that. I wish I could go through that. And, and uh, boy, many from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and uh, just, uh, man, I, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I could have that. I wish I could experience that. One of those things is recorded for us here in John chapter 6. And on the surface, it seems like an unimportant verse or an innocuous verse. It doesn't seem to describe much. But I don't know for you, as it does for me, this verse really describes something that I mean, I wish I could do that. I wish I could enjoy that. It's in John chapter 6, and the verse is specifically verse number 3. It says this, And Jesus went up into a mountain. And there he sat with his disciples. Jesus went up the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. Now, here the disciples, they have a unique opportunity, don't they? They get to go away with Christ. They get to sit down with him, probably ate a meal together somewhere around here. And they're talking about anything and, and everything. And as we peruse the, the Gospels, we, we find these little occasions are scattered throughout the Gospels of where Christ went away with his disciples, where Christ sat down with his disciples, and they just got to talk to Jesus Christ. They got to hear the voice of the Son of God. They got to spend time in his presence and just ask him questions, and obviously some of that is recorded here and as he taught them things, but there was so much more, and John would say it, there's so much more that they experienced and they enjoyed, they had a privilege too that you and I do not, or at least that we not even read of. You think about those moments alone with Christ, those times to hear his heart, to hear his burden, the times where he could speak truth in their lives as he taught them, as he, he showed them what it really looks like to walk with God, how privileged they were. And my friends, as those disciples, they walked with God, and as those days turned into weeks, and those weeks turned into months, and those months turned into well over three years, can you imagine how close they grew to Jesus Christ? How close? It doesn't take long when you're spending that much time in someone's presence to get to know them, to get to know their heart, to really depend upon them. And I would submit to you this, this morning, as Christ spent that time with those disciples, he became so very much to them. He became their teacher, their mentor, their advisor, their counselor, their master, their guide, their tutor. And those days where he sent them out and they faced opposition, they faced persecution by the religious elite as they were rejected by people, they were opposed by Satan. Jesus Christ was their comforter. 
He always knew what to say. He knew exactly what their heart needed. He, he knew how to minister to lift their spirits. He knew how to combat what Satan was doing and the, the pressures that they faced. No doubt a few of them thought this is never going to come to an end. This, is, this could go on forever. We would enjoy this and experience this for, forever. It would be wonderful. But then came the day, the first time that Jesus Christ began to speak of, of his coming uh, future crucifixion, of the fact that he was going to have to die on a cross, that he would give his life for the sins of mankind. And from that moment forward, they began to be introduced with the idea, the thought that Jesus Christ would be gone soon. He would not be there forever with them. Luke chapter 9 records one such incident where Christ, and and he straightly charged them and commanded them to tell no man that thing, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and, and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Just a few short verses later, the Jesus Christ had just getting, gotten done. He had, he had just cast out a demon of a child, and, and the father had brought the child to the disciples. They could not do it. They, uh, he, he called them a faithless generation, and, and he could not do it. And, or, excuse me, they could not do it. And he, he had cast out the, 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 the devil, the demon, and he, we read this in response. They were all amazed, right, at the mighty power of God in Christ. But while they wondered, everyone at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples, let these sayings seek down into your hearts and your ears. Let them get down inside you. You, you. Hide them in your heart. For the Son of Man shall be delivered into the hands of men. You might remember the next verse. The next verse tells us they didn't understand it. They didn't grasp it. They, they didn't come to the full uh, understanding and embracing of the fact that Jesus Christ would not always be there with them. Many times over the years together, Christ said, okay, what was coming? Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I'm going to face. He prepared them. He warned them. But at the same time, he gave them little tidbits of hope and encouragement. One of these little bits of tidbits and, and, of hope and encouragement, one of these little, little uh, snippets of truth as he prepared them for his absence is found in John chapter 14. We, we can imagine that this bond, this bond between Jesus and his disciples was great. He, he would have understood and comprehended how they depended upon him, how he was their everything to them. And all those things we mentioned before, the teacher, the mentor, the advisor, and especially their main comforter, their main counselor. So in John chapter 14, you remember how it starts? I go to prepare a place for you. He speaks of heaven and he tells them, I'm going to have to leave. I go to prepare a place for you. And that's my my focus. I'm going to prepare it for you. And as he did, can I just tell you right now, do not miss it. He knew in the bottom of his heart that when he was gone, they would be lost and all alone. He had become their everything. Yet as he speaks of heaven, as he speaks of his departure, he says, listen, uh, be of good cheer. I I don't want you to be discouraged. I I don't want you to be down in the dumps. I I have good news in light of even the bad news that I have to leave, that I'm leaving you, and I have some good news. Look down at verse number 16 of John chapter 14, if you will. John 14, verse 16. Notice what he says, uh, this long discourse. and He says, and I will pray the Father... 
and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the, the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And so as we read here in John 14, and there's a long discourse, as I mentioned a moment ago, between Christ and his disciples that carries all the way over in, in, uh, uh, to John chapter 16. So for three chapters here, he will speak often of this one who's coming. He leaves and another one's coming. This comforter, as he calls him here. Look at verse 25 and 26 of the same chapter. Here's what we read. He says this, these things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. I, I, I'm, I'm here with you now. I won't always be, so I want to give you some encouragement. Verse 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And there's more. Look over one more chapter, chapter 15. Look at verse 26 also in this, in this chapter, verse 26. He says this, But when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And then I think we read some of the most amazing statements about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, in John chapter 16, in verses 7 and following. Notice what he says here. Acts chapter 16, verses 7 and following. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient. It is necessary. It is the best thing for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judge. I have yet many things to say unto you, I, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He goes on, he shall glorify me, and so forth, and so on. And then do you remember what Christ did after his resurrection? I, we're tying it all together, okay? So here, here the disciples are. They're so, greatly close to God, Jesus Christ. He is everything to them, to him. He, he is their advocate. He is, he is their counselor. He is their comforter. He is their, their master, their tutor, their, their teacher. He is everything to them. And so he's slowly preparing them. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to leave. Yeah, you need to be prepared. But the good news is I'm going to send someone in my place, in my stead. And so he's been teaching them this truth, especially there in John 14 through 16. And then we come to Acts chapter 1. Jesus Christ has died on the cross. He has, he has been buried in the tomb. He has risen from the dead. And, and now he's met with the disciples and different followers. And now he comes to Acts chapter 1. And just before he is taken up in the clouds, he, he has gone to heaven until he comes back in the rapture for you and I. He says something to them. Here's what he says, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He commanded them that they not depart from Jerusalem. Go back to Jerusalem, wait there. Why? Notice it. But wait for the promise, the gift of the Father. What is that? Which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, 
but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. It's a great statement. The promise of a gift from God the Father. He's saying, listen, I promised you, you're going to receive this gift, this promised one from the Father to them and to each one of us that have trusted in Jesus Christ. Now, back here in John 14, this is why I did not have you turn to Acts 1. If you did, just go back, okay? John chapter 14, look again at verse number 16, if you will. John 14, verse 16, we read a lot of verses, so let's just go back here. He says this, And I will praise the Father that he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. I love that description. That he may give you another comforter. We have come across this Greek word before, here in the King James text, and Greek word literally means, and I love the meaning of it, it means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind, having the same qualities. So literally, Jesus Christ is saying, listen, the one who will come will fill my shoes perfectly. Everything you've had in me, you will have in him. As he comes, he, as he too is God, he, he will fulfill everything. Now you think about it for a moment. That, that ought to serve as great comfort to them. Guys, I know we've gotten close. Man, I, I know as we've, as we've walked these roads, we've been persecuted together, we've taught together, you've seen the miracles, and I know we're close. I know we have a bond. And I know I'm many things to you. But boy, I have some good news. There's one coming after me who'll be with you. And he'll be everything that I am to you. And he'll be all of those things to every believer that comes after you. You see, friend, (laughs) you know it well. The prophets of old, they gave Jesus Christ a great name, didn't they? Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Okay, everybody else wake up. You with me? Pastor, okay. Let's try it again. What does the word Emmanuel mean? God with us. Okay, now think about it. That was the promise, wasn't it? Isaiah and such said, listen, hey, Emmanuel, God with us. He will be there. That's who Jesus Christ was. That was his name given the title. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying this. God being with us was not going to end when he left, but the Holy Ghost would come and you and I would never be alone. He, he's coming. He's it's expedient. It is good that I go because the, the comforter is coming. The one who will step into this role, step into my shoes. You, Christian, will never be alone. And my friend, I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to be in this world alone. I am thankful for the very Spirit of God that indwells us. You're never alone. This was a great promise to these disciples because they're thinking, what are we going to do without Christ? He is our everything. He is everything we need in this life. He is our everything. What are we going to do? Christ says, here's what you'll do. You'll embrace the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, as you have embraced me. And he will do everything that I have been for you. He will do it. This morning, we want to reflect on several of these statements that Christ describes him as such for them. And not just for the disciples, but for you and I. Here's my point. 
everything the disciples experienced and enjoyed about God being there in the flesh, in their midst, you and I get to experience as we yield to the Holy Spirit that indwells us. See, everything they had in communion and fellowshipping with Christ, we look there and, oh man, I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have experienced those things. And I say that, but sometimes we forget how good we have it with the Holy Spirit. God indwelling us. He is there to do for you and I on a daily basis, to guide, direct, to teach, to counsel, to comfort. He is all of those things for you and for me. And so he describes them or describes the Holy Ghost as such. You see, as he returned to heaven, he was telling his disciples in John 14 through 16, Here, here's what you'll have. Number one, he is another comforter. We already looked at that word, another, one of the same kind. He's just like me. Let's look at the word comforter. In the Greek, it is a word we've come across before. It is the, the word paraclete. It was used in Greek culture to describe different things. A tutor, a mentor, you name it. it it's base, it simply means this, one called to come alongside another. I sure like that. Because as Jesus Christ said, I'm going back to heaven, but... I'm going to pray the Father, and He's going to call and send the Holy Spirit to come alongside you. And it describes the multifaceted ministry of the Holy Ghost. We don't have time this morning to, to get into it at great depth, but what does the word imply? Well, first of all, it implies someone that is a helper. He is a helper. That word comforter implies such. He, he's come to put his shoulder to the load right next to us. He's always there when we need him most. He, he is the provider, the author of strength and comfort in this way. He, he's there for us. Hey, do you need a hand with that? The Holy Spirit's there. You need, you need a hand? You need a helper today? The Holy Spirit's right there for you, Christian. He's your helper. The word also means an advocate or an intercessor. In fact, in, in, Peter uses the word advocate, or the, uh, the King James translator trans, translated the Greek word as advocate in the book of Peter. An advocate, an intercessor. He's one there to help when we need someone to go to bat for us. When we need someone to take up our cause, the Holy Spirit is there. He is there every day for you and I in that way. He is our advocate, our intercessor in life. And the things that, that happen and transpire. And then that word Comforter, it literally means that he is a counselor, but in the sense of like a defense attorney, a family defense attorney. In fact, it was used in the Greek culture as such. He is one who is there to protect us. He looks out for us. He has our best interest in mind. He defends us when necessary. It's why Christ said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You will have the same kind of comforter that you have in me. That's who you and I have in the Holy Spirit that indwells you and I. And I'll tell you, when I read that, when I understand that, when he says, listen, this is your comforter. He is a helper. He is an advocate. He is an intercessor. He, he is a counselor to protect you and defend you. It makes it a little bit easier to not be so jealous of what the disciples had in Jesus Christ. Because you and I have it today. We have someone just like Christ right here with us every day. And it's not a human being. It's not some person who claims to be Jesus Christ. My friend, this is the very God of heaven, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit that indwells you and I. He is our helper, our advocate, and our defense counselor. Now Christ would add something else to it. And I like this. At the end of verse 16, he says, he's going to abide with you. And he, he makes this terminology. He will be with you forever. 
So number one, he's another comforter. He will step into that role. He will fulfill my shoes. Exactly what I have been to you, he will be to you. But number two, he will be there forever. Now let me ask you this, biblical scholars, how long was Jesus Christ's ministry? Well, with the disciples, what, three, three and a half years at the most? It was brief. There wasn't much time that that Christ spent with them. And yet to them, it probably seemed like a lifetime. They had learned so much. They have grown so much. They had come to know not just Jesus Christ, but the God of heaven through him. And so the time had seemed immeasurable, but in all honesty, it was brief. To these disciples, maybe though in all that they learned, it seemed like a lifetime. Maybe though in some sense, they thought they were just getting started. They were just getting to fully understand and know some of the things, fully appreciate all they had in Christ. And now, now he's leaving them. And so Christ tries to encourage them. He motivates them to great faith. And what he is simply saying is this, the, the promised comforter known as the Holy Spirit whom the Father will give you in my stead, he is just like me. And yet... He will be with you forever. He will not leave you. Christian, you will never be alone. And what does that mean for you and I? Think on this. There is no darkness in your life in which the light of the Holy Spirit cannot penetrate with His presence. There is no valley, there is no desert, there is no sorrow, no grief, no disappointment in which the Holy Spirit is not right there walking with you every step of the way. We read the gospel and say, man, I don't know how the disciples could have faced that if Jesus Christ wasn't there. Can I just tell you right now, there are things in your life and my life we can never face without the Holy Spirit being with us. We can't. Just as much as they needed Christ in that day and and they leaned on him, they depended upon him, you and I must do the same with the very Holy Spirit, the very God of heaven that indwells us. In yielding and submitting to him in obedience and allowing him to control us. Boy, it is encouraging to think that he is our forever comforter. Always there our forever comforter. Sure sounds good, doesn't it? Verse 17 gives a little more. Let's read verse 17 again. Since it's been some time, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So he is another comforter He'll be with you forever, but not only will he just be with you, this is what it says, he will be with you and in you. In you. That's what, Paul, that's what Christ says here. It, it would be no different than how Christ was with them. They weren't losing out on this substitution, okay? I don't know about you, but I have favorite sports teams, okay? And when I'm watching my favorite sports team, if the coach of that team will put in a substitute, a lot of times like, ah, why are you putting him in? He's not nearly as good as the starter. Okay, I'm watching a basketball game or something like that, a football game, and I like, ah, don't put him in. He stinks. He's not as good as the starter. Can I just tell you right now, the substitute that came in for Jesus Christ is just as good because he is God, the Holy Spirit. So you don't lose anything with this substitution is exactly what Christ is saying here. You and I are never left alone in any situation or aspect of of our life. If you are a believer, take comfort this morning in this truth. You can't go anywhere without him. 
And as you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we now become the dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. I really enjoy reading the words of Christ, specifically in John chapter 7, where he, he is, he's speaking about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. I love the, the description that Christ gives it. When he began introducing this concept, the Holy Spirit would come and he would indwell you. Um, uh, he would not just come upon you, but he would indwell you. A little bit different than what we see saw often in the Old Testament, the indwelling aspect of it. And that was going to come. He said, this is going to happen. This is going to come. And as Christ began to introduce this, I, I love this description, John 7, 37 through 39. And the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, and he saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But notice verse 39. But this he spake of the Spirit. Capitalized. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which they that believe on Him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And I sure do love that description, don't you? Flowing rivers of living water. I just want to tell you this morning, yeah, it's simplistic. Forgive me, I'm just naive, a little elementary-minded young man. <laughs> young man, old man. Um, listen to me. Within you today is a river of living water flowing. Now, my friend, that is a beautiful thought. That is the Holy Spirit indwelling you and I. And Christ is promising here in John, can I tell you, you and him, that is an inseparable union. Inseparable. You can't lose it. You can't get away from it. The Holy Spirit indwells you forever. Paul would later write that this indwelling of the Holy Spirit is as being in the temple of the Holy Ghost. He's here to stay. It means that you and I as a believer, we can never outrun the indwelling spirit. Can't get rid of him, can't forfeit him, you can't lose him. He is your comforter that is your constant companion. Constant companion. He's forever with you and I. Now Christ would expand upon this, and, and I think this is really what you and I can depend upon today, and we need, especially today, I, certainly we need the comfort, and, and we need all that the Holy Spirit is, but there's something else that Christ would say. Look at verse 26, would you? Here it's John chapter 14 still, verse 26. Re, let's remind ourselves of what we've seen here, verse 26, or the description Christ gives. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, we read also in John chapter 16, this verse, John 16, 13. We kind of put them together. Verse 13. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. So number one, we have seen that he is another comforter. Number two, he will be with us forever. Number three, he is not only with us, but he is in us. He indwells us. And number four, you know what we can put all this together? 
One of the things that Jesus Christ was, and I think we read more of it than anything else that Christ was for the disciples, is this. And my friend, you have every aspect of that in the Holy Spirit. It's simply this. He will be your counselor. He'll be your counselor. It's not in the sense of defense attorney counselor like the word comforter was. But in the sense of these two verses that we just read, that one who comes alongside of us, do not miss it, gives us good counsel. He gives us good counsel. In fact, the Bible would describe him as our tutor. He is our mentor. He is an instructor. It says he teaches, right? He teaches us all things. He guides us. All these things describe him as our tutor, our mentor, our instructor. I like to think of this. You know what the Holy Spirit is? He's your guidance counselor for life. He's the one that comes alongside of you, guides you, gives you counsel as you go for the entirety of life. I love these different aspects of the multifaceted ministry that Christ gives us. He says what? He will teach us all things. Number two, he says not only will he teach us all things, and sorry about the small writing, but I want to fit into one slide. Um, (laughs) He says this, he will bring to remembrance the teachings of Christ in the Bible. Now don't miss this one because I think this is so crucial. This is missed today in many circles and many places. Number three, he guides us into all truth. Now, let's understand what Christ is saying by that statement. Because a lot of people will say, well, the Holy Spirit leads me this way, and it is in contradiction to God's Word. That cannot happen. Okay, because if if thy Word is truth, the Holy Spirit's direction will always line up here. Thy Word is truth. He will guide you into all and my friend, if, a, if something leads you somewhere else, I can tell you right now, it's not the Holy Spirit. If you go in contradiction to his word, it is not in line with his word. Because what does he say? He'll, he'll speak of everything I've spoken of. He'll, he'll, what he has heard, he'll speak of me. He, Jesus Christ said that. My word. Who is Jesus Christ? In the beginning was the word. Okay? He's, the Holy Spirit is here to reinforce, confirm everything that you and I have in, uh, read in the scriptures. He will not speak of himself. He will not lead in a direction contrary to what the Bible leads him. And so that's one of the things he does for you and I even today. Notice what else he adds to this statement. He speaks of and points us to Christ. You can tell when it's another spirit. In fact, the Bible tells us to try the spirits. You know when it's another spirit when it doesn't point to Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit comes along, he points us to Jesus Christ. And not just Jesus Christ, but the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. He is imminent. And at the end of that last verse, verse 13, we see that he will guide us through things to come. When it says he speaks of the things to come, literally, he will guide us through the things to come, the knowledge we need to navigate them. Because can I tell you, if the Bible (laughs) addressed every nuance that you and I would face in every culture since Jesus Christ lived, you couldn't hold the Bible. There are big buildings that could hold it, 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 it. Nuances and everything to every culture. But I sure am thankful this Bible has all the principles you and I need to live in any culture. Okay, the principles are there. Everything we need. We have been given everything to, uh, the, the, to godliness and living for Christ. We have everything we need. Though it may not direct and directly address nuances. And other, we have everything we need. God's Word. 
the Holy Spirit who is our guide. He is our counselor. He orders our steps. It's a great truth that everything Christ was for those men, we now have the Holy Spirit. You know, when a student is in high school, a student goes throughout college, and obviously we have those, and uh, uh, children in high school and college and children in nursery, but anyway, we won't go there. Um, but especially in high school and uh, college, you know what it's good to have when your children are there? A guidance counselor. Now, sometimes uh, a parent serves that that Erica does a great job in our, our house, and Mr. Quick and others help and, and so forth, too. It's great to have a guidance counselor. Reagan down at Crown College, she has a guidance counselor that helps down there and, and others that we work with in the future for Carter's College and things. Okay, guidance counselors. It is good to have a guidance counselor in school and in college that helps you. Okay, you need this class. Okay, you need to do this. You need to line up this. Man, I am so thankful that for life we have the Holy Spirit. As our guidance counselor. He comes along, oh, you need this. We, you need to do this. This is how you handle this. Okay, <laughs> you need to do this. And he uses God's word to instruct us and to guide us and to give us the counsel that we need, helping us through this thing called life. Because I don't know about you, there's no way I could handle life without the Holy Spirit. We have a great gift from God the Father given to each one of us as we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ today. And my friend, as you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you, you got more than you probably bargained for. Not only did you get a Savior that paved the way for you to gain heaven and lose hell, my friend, but you got a constant companion that is a comforter and a counselor throughout this life. He's a helper and an advocate. He is an intercessor. He is your defense counselor. He is everything that you could ever dream of. And so, my friend, you say, as we have come now face to face, as we have encountered the powerful, living Word of God this morning, could I encourage you to take some things away? What do we take away? Number one, can I just encourage you this? In just a moment, we'll have an invitation. And also in that invitation, in the days ahead, could I encourage you to simply do this? Would you, if you are a believer, would you just simply thank God for the good gift of the Holy Spirit? Would you thank Him also for the gift of the comforter that He has given you? Would you thank Him for the constant companion that He has given you? Would you thank Him for the counselor that He has given you? As you walk this road called life, as you make decisions and choices, you have a better guidance counselor than you could ever dream of that knows the material, that can instruct you in it. And I would just tell you this, or encourage you, excuse me, I'd encourage you to do this. As you thank Him for the Holy Spirit, would you just thank your Heavenly Father that He is, that you are never alone. I'm sure I'm thankful that he's always with me. Number two, could I encourage you? If all of this is true, if the words of Christ are true here in John 14 and 15 and 16, then, then you and I need to do something. We need to respond and be reactive to it. When the Holy Spirit opens our eyes, when he speaks to us through something we read in the Bible, here in a sermon, we ought to listen to it and yield to it. Ephesians 5.18 says, hey, be filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Ghost, literally controlled, and you <laughs> allow that by yielding to the counsels of the Holy Spirit. Some people say, oh, Pastor, how's that? how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you be controlled? How do you yield to the Holy Spirit? Can I just tell you, you know what yielding is to the Holy Spirit? It's just obeying. Obeying the instructions. Obeying what He says and how He leads and guides and directs. As you and I read God's Word and as we hear it preached and taught, we listen, we yield to the counsel and the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
So, listen. Purpose to yield. Number three, when the Holy Spirit lays something on your heart to do in obedience to and in line with the Scriptures, do it. Do it. When he says you ought to do this, when he pricks your heart, hey, go witness to that person. Hey, you ought to say this word to that person. You ought to, hey, 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 when the Holy Spirit tells you, you know what? What you heard today, you need to put in practice. What you read in your devotions today, you need to live that out. Do it. Do it. Heed what the Scriptures say. Be sensitive to the guide in your life, his leading in your life. And then number four, last but not least, maybe the... (laughs) be a great thing in this invitation for you and I to simply ask God to move through the Holy Spirit to produce in us the many manifestations of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. If He indwells me, I want it to be obvious. I want people to be able to see that love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Father, would you develop that fruit in me? Would you produce it? Would you grow that fruit in me? The Holy Spirit indwells me. I want to yield to Him. And so, Father, would you help this to be the product of it? Thank you for my counselor. Thank you for my comforter. Thank you that he will never leave me. He's always in me. Now help him to produce in me the fruit of his presence. Listen to me. And I'm done. I promise. I'll land the plane. Remember what they said about the disciples? As they spent time with God, Jesus Christ, and the people interacted with them, who are these guys? They speak like learned men. They're uneducated. They, 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 we've never heard these things before. They are totally different. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You ought to be totally different. The fruit of the Holy Spirit ought to be to despise. Who are these Christians? Who are these members of Fostoria Baptist Church? Man, all this love and joy and long-suffering and patience and and temperance and goodness and meekness and faith. Who are these people? Well, these are people who are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is no glory to them. This is glory to the one who did not leave them comfortless, who has saved us and given us another comforter. My friend, this morning as we go in this invitation, may I just tell you, it is good to be never left alone. Father, we thank you for your word. We are so thankful, too, for your Holy Spirit. Forgive us for when we have neglected and we have, uh, Father, taken for granted the gift that you, our Father, have given us, this counselor, this comforter, this one who is always with us and indwells us, this one, Father, who is truly a guidance counselor for life. Thank you, my Father, for this gift. Now help us to make the most of it. Thank you, Father, that as Christ returned to heaven and we have not yet (laughs) laid eyes on Him as those early believers did so. So very thankful you did not leave us alone. So help us now in these moments. I pray we would be filled with gratitude and thankfulness to you. I pray also, Father, that we would be determined in our hearts to, to listen and yield to the Holy Spirit. Would you, would you help us? Would you teach us? Would you grow us in our yielding and our, our, our allowing him to control us in all things? And Father, I pray that we would be moved by your Holy Spirit, guided, directed, and may we do the things in which he leads us in. And then, Father, I just simply pray that you would produce in each one of us your children.
and each one of us that you have sent your spirit to indwell that we would produce the very fruit of the Holy Spirit. May it be obvious that we are yours and that he indwells us. And Father, I pray in such that you would use us to be a light for you. Help now in this invitation. Work and move as only you can. Bless each person here. And Father, I would certainly pray if there's one here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, is not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, that they would simply slip out of their pew and they would come to the front and allow us to show them how they can know for sure that heaven is their home, that Christ is their Savior, that the Holy Spirit is their gift. And Father, I pray that today would be their day of salvation. Now work in this invitation as only you can. With heads bowed.